This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. Are we excited to be a church? Amen. Uh, just a few things. You've, if you're on our email list, you got an email this week, or are going to be. I think it came out already. Uh, but starting on the 13th, everything's going to shift and change a little bit. Make sure you're reading the details in that. Uh, as you go on to register, there's going to be a new note up there on how to handle that. And so we just want to draw attention to that. Remember that on the 13th, there's going to be both campuses, and you're not going to. Everyone's going to want to go to South Campus just to see all the new flashy lights and hear the great sound system and all that sort of stuff. So just make sure that you're part of that. And uh, remember, outflow is next week. Uh, we can go, come to church and we can love on God. We can come to church and we can go through, uh, I'm going to probably maybe offend some this morning, but we can go through a spiritual ritual of doing our duty for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday morning and go, we've touched God. But can I tell you that the importance of going into the streets and being a servant for God is just as important as sitting in these chairs, if not more important. And that, that's shocking to hear a pastor say that, don't come hear me preach, go out there and serve. Uh, we, we want to go out and we want to minister life and love to our, to our community, and we need you to sign up. Uh, our numbers are a bit down this year, and we want, to, we, we want to surpass 100 people. So please, if you have not registered yet, get, out, get on that list and do so. Today we're in, in sermon number two of press in, press on. Everyone say press in. Press in. Everyone say press on. Good job. You guys are good. Next week is going to be thir- week number three, and there's going to be a little short clip of the idea of what we're talking about, pressing in and pressing on. It'll be the conclusion of this series before you go out and do your job out there. But today, I want to talk about hope. Everyone say hope. You know, oftentimes, we like this idea of hope. How many like to be hopeful? How, how many have lost a little bit of hope in certain things over the last couple, last year and a half. We've lost some hope in, the, in what's going on there. We've dialogued a lot about this topic of hope, and today we want to step back in and take a different perspective of hope, a hope that endures, hope that produces something that is really positive on the other end. But before we get there, uh, last week we gave this quote, attitude is contagious, is yours worth catching? How many have thought about this, thought about that phrase this week? I hope so. Uh, attitude is Catching is yours. Can, is, is yours worth catching? It's contagious. Is, is yours worth catching? You know, how many have realized that sometimes your attitude's not worth passing on to somebody else? How many have realized that someone else's attitude is not worth catching? Uh, how many have been victims of catching someone else's bad attitude? Uh, whether, whether you wake up on the wrong side of the bed or circumstances don't go as you want. But what I've had to realize is going, is my attitude worth spreading to somebody else? It's contagious. Is my attitude worth spreading? Is my attitude the right representation of Jesus Christ in my heart and in my life? That's a question that all of us need to be confronted with. Is my attitude worth catching? Is it represent Christ well? As I step into all the different fields of my life, whether it's my, just me being a personal uh, child of God or being a husband that leads my home or being a father or being a pastor or being a citizen, is my attitude worth being caught? Is it representing Christ well? Can I tell you today that we are all representatives of Christ Jesus if you love him and he is your Lord and Savior? First and foremost, over your name, over your title, over your personality, the thing that you need to represent most highly is Jesus Christ. It needs to be this thing that calls you to a different place and a different standard. So is it? As I think of the attitude that we as Christians need to portray, everyone say need. It's it's imperative is that we have an attitude of hope and an attitude of faith. In the middle of crisis, in the middle of circumstances, and those that are close to me, particularly my son and Sasser and my staff, sometimes they don't see a lot of faith in my life. Sometimes they don't see a lot of hope in my life. They see the real down, dirty Kevin that, gets, that feels all those things. Does anybody always represent faith and hope? How many know today that you need to grow in your faith and your hope? This idea of pressing in and pressing on, pressing into God, pressing into faith, pressing into purpose, pressing into the calling that God's placed on your life, whether you're a pastor or whether you're a cry- child of God. There's a calling and there's a purpose Pressing on, today we're talking about that hope that endures to press on, to not give up. 
Don't quit. Everyone say, don't quit. Rick Warren makes this statement. He says, you got to have hope to cope. You got to have hope to cope. He's got his little quips that he always comes out with, and sometimes they're a little corny, but can I tell you how, tru- how truthful is this statement? That for you to be able to cope, for you to be able to deal effectively with life, for you to be able to deal effectively with coronavirus and the changes that are taking place in our nation, you have to have hope to cope. You have to have hope to be able to see the right perspective. You have to be able to push forward. This word hope is the ability to look forward to with expectation. Everyone say expectation. A hope that expects, a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. Now that's like the Webster's Dictionary definition. I want to give you the Bible Dictionary definition because it kind of shifts a little bit. Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it only doesn't just have a hope, but it expects that to happen. And not only does it expect it to happen, it has a confident expectation. It's not just going, I hope, I have this feeling, well, I hope I expect. This hesitant expectation, no, there's a confident expectation when we talk about a Bible hope. Today we want to talk about that confident expectation, not a what if. Today I want you to check your hope meter. Is your hope meter on full? Is your hope meter on empty? How many would be able to say that over the last uh, year and a half or so, your hope meter has been... And you're like tapping on it to go, what's the real number? Is it there? Anybody feel that? That sometimes you have hope, sometimes you wake up with hope, and sometimes you're hopeless, and things, situations happen. That's why hope cannot be founded in a circumstance. Hope cannot be founded in a feeling. Proverbs tells us that hope deferred makes the heart sick. When we're hopeless, when we feel hopeless, can I tell you there's been a lot of sickness in our culture today, Christians and not Christians. I'm not talking about a virus. I'm talking about a hopelessness. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It impacts us. Can I tell you that there are people that are in this room, there are people that you know, that I know, that live with sickness of the heart. Their hope has been deferred, and they're living in this deferred climate of life. I want to challenge you today that that's not where we want to live. These days, it's easy to be worn down by hopelessness. People are losing hope when they experience overwhelming loss, when they experience repeated failure, when they experience impossible situations. I could spend a lot of time today talking about the hopelessness of our culture, but I don't want to... We, we all understand hopelessness. I want to talk about hope today. Isaiah chapter 49, 23 says this. God is speaking to Israel in a time of need through the prophet Isaiah, and he says this. He says, then you will know that I am God. Something's taking place, and God's going, I'm going to show up, and then you're going to know that I am God. How many need an I am God moment? Can I tell you those I am God moments, those moments that he steps in and you know that he's God, there's a confidence that rises, doesn't it? That you are, you're not just expecting, you're expecting with confidence. And that's that Bible definition that says, no, we need to come not just expecting, but we have to have confidence not in the outcome, but confidence in the one that provides the outcome. He goes, those who hope in me will not be disappointed. I can tell you that all of us, to some degree, have had hope in our culture. We've had hope on, in, in our government. We've had hope in a vaccine. We've had hope in whatever it might be. But I can guarantee that if we placed our hope in earthly, worldly things, maybe you have a hope in a spouse. How many know that we as spouses, we fail? Can I tell you that If our hope is in anything besides God, you and I are going to be disappointed. We're going to experience this weight of disappointment. What we put our hope in determines whether we hope in vain or hope with purpose. I want to challenge you this morning to hope with purpose. Our hope object is God. Our faith object is God. Yes, now we need to believe in humanity. We need to believe in people. We need to believe in our spouse. But if you're putting all of your weight on a human, humans fail. 
Our object needs to be God. David says in Psalms 27, 14, he had learned this lesson and continued to learn this lesson. How many continue to learn lessons? In the Amplified Bible, it says, wait and hope and expect the Lord. Everyone say wait. You like waiting? I don't like waiting. I like to feel hope, but sometimes I have to scrape the bottom of the barrel to find hope. Maybe that's my personality. Anybody ever feel like you just have to scrape to find hope? But David's got his hope and is waiting on his expectation of God. It says, be brave and of good courage and let your heart be stout and enduring. Yes, wait for and hope and expect the Lord. Can I tell you that this phrase here, this line, needs to be something that you and I step into morning, noon, and night, 365 days a year in this process. All the minutes that you and I encounter, we need to step in and go, no, God, I'm waiting, I'm expecting, I'm anticipating you to show up. You're the one that's not going to leave me. Hope is what stabilizes your frantic thoughts and emotions. Hope is a positive expectation that something good is going to happen to you. I remember in the 70s, and maybe I'm dating myself here, but there was a man named Oral Roberts. How many have heard the name Oral Roberts? He was a faith preacher. He was someone, and he would get on the TV, and he'd say, today is a miracle. Something good is going to happen today. Can I tell you what's happened is we've lost that anticipation Even we come to church and we lose that anticipation that God is present and something good is going to happen. Can I tell you that we as Christians, that should be how we wake up in the morning. There's a hope, a confident expectation. Hope is not a wishy-washy, vague, vague wait-and-see attitude, but an action that we must choose on purpose every day. Hope enables us to endure hardships and long waiting periods. Hope energizes and motivates us to take action by causing us to step out in faith and obedience to God. Hope is there to see breakthrough is right around the corner. How many need to see some breakthrough around the corner? You're in the middle of a situation. You're saying, God, I'm waiting. Can I tell you that that hope is, where are you placing that hope? When we embrace hope, it influences our thoughts, it influences our attitudes, it influences our outlook, it influences our speech. Everyone say, Kevin, get some hope. Can I say to you, get some hope? Because it needs to shape who we are. A.W. Tozer says this, so strong, so beautiful is hope that it is scarcely possible to overpraise it. It is, divine, is a divine alchemy that transmutes the, the base metal of adversity into gold. When we sit here and we look at the problem, or we look at the situation, or we look at the circumstance, hope is this thing that changes things. It changes our outlook. It, rather than just being a base metal, it produces gold. Rather than just being a piece of coal, it produces a diamond. Paul is this hope pusher. He's a hope dealer. He's one that in every one of his letters to the churches and the people that he's writing to, believers like you and me, he's pushing this concept of hope, realizing the power of hope. And in 1 Thessalonians, where we're at right now, is he comes back and he says, we remember before God, our, our Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. Your endurance that's inspired by hope. What, you know, as we sit back and we look at these three things, faith, hope, and love, they're all essential and they're beautiful qualities. But can I tell you that the quality of faith and hope are not going to be, are going to not be ill-determined without hope? Without, I mean, faith and love are going to be ill-determined without hope? If you don't have hope, your faith and your love, are, you're not going to endure. You might have faith one moment and love one moment, but hope's what causes you to push on to the next moment and the next day and the next week. The Thessalonians were experiencing all kinds of affliction. And Paul marks it out in this passage of Scripture and throughout the book of 1 Thessalonians that the that the hardship that they are encountering, encountering the, that they're having to endure life was because of their walk with God. It wasn't just the normalcy of life. It wasn't just affliction. It was called persecution. 
So when Paul is speaking to these believers here, he's going, don't just check out in, in, and go, well, no, life's hard. He's going, no, you have to have faith in God. You've got to have love that's, that's serving. You have to have this hope that endures, endures all sorts of persecution. Paul commends the Thessalonians, and he praises God for their perseverance. He exalts them. What propelled them forward, what kept them moving forward was hope. Let's pause right here and let's ask a question. What propels you forward? What propels you forward? What is it that gives you joy for today and tomorrow? What is it that causes you to get up in the morning? Is it just the paycheck? Is it just the job that you might enjoy or might not enjoy? Is it just the responsibility or is there an anticipation, a confident expectation of God showing up somewhere in your life? Can I tell you that that's what propelled the Thessalonica church forward? Was this confident expectation that God was going to show up on every turn and every move? That he was going to be present? Yes, trials and affliction are challenging. Yes, trials and affliction are not fun. Yes, circumstances in our lives that create tension in our relationships, circumstances in our culture that create tension in our culture, they're not fun. But can I tell you that we must endure them as good soldiers unto God. We must come back to a place of going, no, my, I have hope in God. There's a phrase that we say that, that says, N-O, no, P, no peace, no, no Jesus. And then there's the K-N-O, no, no Jesus, no peace. I want to say that in the sense of hope. No hope, no Jesus. If you know Jesus, you're going to know hope. Can I tell you today that the object of our hope is him? The object of our hope is that there is a Messiah, there is a Savior that will help us to endure. So we understand this idea of hope, but Paul says that this hope is going to produce something in us. It's not just hope just to have a positive attitude. It's not just hope to go, I have this confident expectation. No, this hope is going to produce something in our lives. And I would say that it's, it's absent in many of our lives. It's absent in my life at times. This hope is going to produce this thing called endurance. Everyone say endurance. On a consumer flight from Portland, Maine to Boston in the summer of 1987, a pilot heard an unusual noise near the rear of the aircraft. Henry Dempsey turned the controls over to his co-pilot and went back to check it out. And as he reached the tail section, the plane hit an air pocket and Dempsey, Dempsey was tossed against the rear door. He quickly discovered the source of the mysterious noise. The rear door suddenly uh, lurched open uh, prior to... T- lurched open, and Dempsey was instantly sucked outside of the jet. The co-pilot, seeing the red light on the control panel that indicated an open door, radioed the nearest airport requesting permission to make an emergency landing. He reported that Dempsey had fallen out of the plane and requested that a helicopter be dispatched to search that area of the ocean. After the plane had landed, the ground crew found Henry Dempsey holding on to the outdoor ladder of the aircraft. Somehow, he had caught the ladder and managed to hold on for 10 minutes as the plane flew 200 miles per hour at an altitude of 4,000 feet. As the plane made its approach and landed, Dempsey had kept his head from hitting the runway a mere 12 inches away. According to the news report, it took several airport personnel more than a few minutes to pry the pilot's fingers from the ladder. I want to tell you today that is endurance. That is not giving up. That is, not, that is looking at a situation and going, I'm desperate and I'm going to endure. Endurance is capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. All of us have felt a little bit shaky over the last year. All of us have had circumstances that have created an uneasiness in our life. Maybe you're looking ahead and you're going, oh, that's uneasy. Can I tell you, we've had uneasiness in our lives. But we've had to come back and go, no, I don't just hope for today. I'm hoping to endure. I want to endure. I want to see God come through in the end. Hebrews chapter 10 
Verse 35 says that this, do not throw away your confidence. Everyone kind of like throw something. Can I tell you that many times in our lives, something happens, a crisis takes place, and we just do this with hope. We allow it to permeate all parts of our life and to take us down to a low place. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you need endurance. Everyone say, I need endurance. I need endurance. Come on. Do you believe that today? Do you see your life and you see where you have been moved and swayed by the circumstances? Go, no, I need endurance. I don't want to give up. This word endurance, it speaks to this ability to persevere through, through to the completion of something. Once we start the task, we must keep on going. Anybody been guilty of being a procrastinator? Anybody been guilty of starting really strongly and then giving up two days later? That's this process of enduring that God's calling us to do something greater in our life. Oftentimes in our culture, today, you and I, we will use the word endurance as something negative. Well, I just have to endure. I just got to make it through. Oh, I hope I can make it through. Can I tell you the Bible does not look as endurance in a negative fashion. When the Bible talks about endurance, it's positive. It's not a negative, oh, if I can make it. It's going, I'm going to endure because I have confidence in the one. Endurance is something we, we can do rather than something that we just simply have to do. Today, it's our cho- choice to endure, to undergo, or to tolerate, to, sumi- to submit to God, to remain in a circumstance. America has lost some of its ability to endure. Americans have lost some ability to endure. We want to just go out and protest something, or we want to vote someone in or out rather than going, no, I'm going to just press on. I have hope in something bigger. The Bible offers many positive examples of this word endurance, but the greatest of them all, his name is Jesus. Today, you and I are products of a Savior who endured the cross, who endured the beating and the shame, who endured the abuse, who endured the death in a tomb, who endured the process of going from to to hell to get the keys and to come back in victory. Can I tell you today, our Jesus is one who endures. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The earth will tremble. Come on, church. That's where we're at is this, this, this thing that he is the one that endured. He underwent. He tolerated. He submitted to. He withstood every, uh, everything that came at him. Our word endure is actually rooted in the Latin word duras or durar. Two forms. One which means hard or to harden. Can I tell you today that we can allow our circumstances, our trials, to harden us, to make us bitter, or to make us better? That's your choice. Can I tell you that we've endured a long process of COVID? We've endured a long process of what we look and we see as injustice in our culture or things that have stirred us. But what is it producing you? That enduring, have you become bitter or have you become better? Have you become suspicious? Are you looking to the confident hope of a Savior? Are you looking to a government official to come in and change something? Are you going, no, my God is the answer? Press in, press on. William Barclay described endurance this way. He says it's the courageous acceptance of everything that life can do to us and the transmitting of even the worst event into another step on the upward way. As you look at your life, are you one that is taking steps upward? Are you taking steps upward? Are you allowing your endurance to go, no, I'm going to be better than this. I'm not going to succumb to the level of our culture. I'm not going to succumb to what everyone, to, the, to the, all the conspiracy theories. And there's a lot out there. Can I tell you, church, we need to, know, we need to look with confidence to the one who has the end in sight. 
Conspiracy theorists are making judgment calls based on what they think might happen. What do you know is going to happen? Have you read the end of the book? What do you know is going to happen? Whether it happens to you or a generation after you, it's going to happen. I'll tell you this, that disappointments are certain, obstacles are sure, losses are going to occur, but you can either be one who perseveres or you can be one that gives up. You can be one that endures and reaps the reward at the end, or you can be one that just lays down and let the world trample on top of you. It was Christ's strong and tangible desire to please the Father that gave him the, gave him the ability to endure. This desire of obedience enabled him to undergo and tolerate and to submit to all these things that he encountered. It's why the writer of Hebrews comes and tells us that in Hebrews chapter 12, he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Today, as we're encountering what we're encountering, can I tell you that many of us have our eyes on the day that we can take our masks off, me included. This temporary moment in life that we're looking for and anticipating. And I'm not knocking that. I'm not trying to insult you because I'm anticipating it too. Maybe you're anticipating your vacation this summer, whatever it might be. But can I tell you today that the goal of your life is not your vacation. The goal of your life is not to get a mask off your face. The goal of your life is not retirement. The goal of your life is not to have children. The goal of your life is not to be married. The goal of your life is not to have success. The goal of your life is to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. For the joy who was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the, on the, of the throne of God. Consider him. Step back and look at your complications. Step back and look at your disappointments. Step back and look at where you're lacking and what you're frustrated with. And it says, consider him and who endured such opposition so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He's basically, the writer of Hebrews is basically going, okay, align your life with Jesus. Is your life as hard as you think it is? We're a culture of comparisons. Well, my life's harder than yours, or my life's better than yours. My house is bigger than yours. Your house is smaller. My car's better than yours. I have more likes on my Instagram than you do. We're a culture of comparisons. And we have to step back and be honest with ourselves and go, no, that's the case. And the writer of Hebrews is coming and going, no, get your comparisons off of this earthly temporal world. Get your eyes on Jesus, the one that, the image who you're created in, the image and who you are to be likeness of, the one who you're aspiring to grow like, that your character will change and compare your life with that so that you don't grow weary and lose heart. Do you feel weary and lose heart? Can I tell you, to me, as I look at this as a math equation, if, you're, if you've lost heart and you're weary, you're comparing with the wrong thing. You're, you're, you're putting a measuring stick someplace that's not a healthy measuring stick because there should be something that's motivating you forward. So today, real quickly, I want to give you three things of endurance is required for Endurance is required for. When I talk about this word required, it means it's essential. Everyone say essential. You want to survive in life? Endurance is essential. You want to make it through COVID? Endurance is essential. You want to make it to the end of your life and please God? Endurance is essential. Number one, endurance is required or essential to become the person that God wants you to be. How many want to be what God wants them to be? How many struggle with being what you want to be and what God wants to be? If all of us are honest here today, all of us struggle with that. It's coming to that place of going, God, your will or my will. God, seriously, when we come back and we pray about stuff, are you praying in a way that is about you or about him? To become the person that God wants you to be. The only way that you're going to do that is by enduring. James chapter 1, 2 through 4 says this, consider it pure joy. Everyone say joy. How many can classify the last 18 months as joyful? You're not very Christ-like. You're not very James-like. He says, consider it 
Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, because you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your belief system, the testing of your faith, whether it's working or not working, produces perseverance or this word endurance. So let perseverance or endurance finish the work so that you may be mature and complete. Can I tell you, it's not too late to persevere. It's not too late to allow the character of God to be produced in your life. You may have frittered away 16 months of your life wondering what the next thing is and not barely enduring, but can I tell you today, will you allow the trial, the conflict within your spirit to do something for you? Would you come to a place of surrendering to say, God, I want you to be glorified in my life. I want people to see you and me and not me and me. J.B. Phillips paraphrased, paraphrased James chapter 1 this way. He said, when all kinds of trials crowd into our lives, don't resent them as intruders. Welcome them as friends. Realize that they have come to test your endurance, but let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed and you'll find that you've become men and women mature in character, just like Jesus. Can I tell you today that we've got to come to a place rather than going, it's my enemy and I'm the victim of a crisis. I have, it's my friend and I welcome friends. Do you leave the door of your house shut when your friend's knocking on the door to come in? Hey, I don't want to see you. That's what we do with troubles in our life. No, go away. The next door neighbor. You're, one, you're off a number. No. J.B. Phillips is saying, welcome them as friends. Welcome these trials, these situations as friends in your life so that they'll produce something. Romans chapter 5 says this. Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. We brag about the hope of the glory of God. What are you boasting in? What are you hoping in? What is it that you're boasting about as we are entering into the summer of 2021? What are you looking at? Are you looking just for a short-term duration? Are you looking at the long-term goal? He goes on to say this in verse 3. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Suffering plus perseverance equals endurance. Everyone say, I need endurance. We need some endurance in our lives. The oyster and its pearl provide a beautiful picture of a positive response to life's irritants. The pearl is produced as a product of pain, an alien substance, a grain of sand slips into the oyster shell. On the entry of that foreign irritant, all resources within that tiny, sensitive oyster run to the spot and begin to release healing fluids that otherwise would have remained dormant. What is it that's racing to your endurance this morning? What is it that God has created inside of you to rise up, to race to that need that we oftentimes allow to lay dormant in our lives? It says eventually the irritant is covered and the wound produces a pearl. Are you allowing your wounds to produce something? Are you allowing your irritants to produce something? Are you allowing your sufferings to produce something? The pearl is a symbol of stress and endurance. The precious tiny jewel is conceived through irritation, born of adversity, and there uh, had there been no wounding, no irritating, no irritating interruption, there could have been no pearl. What is it that God wants to do in you? What is he trying to do in you? What are you so resistant to that the pearl is not going to come forth, that the diamond is, because of the pressure, is not going to produce? Before I move to the second point, Hebrews chapter 5 says this, that Jesus himself, the Son of God, learned obedience from what he suffered. Would you step back for a second when we talk about God the Father who is perfect, God the Son who is made in his image, who is perfect, who had no sin in his life, the Holy Spirit who is perfect. The Bible comes back in Hebrews chapter, 10, chapter 5 and says, even the Son of God, even Jesus himself 
had to learn obedience, learn character through those things that he suffered, through those things that he endured. Should we not have to also endure? Endurance shapes our character. Number two, endurance is required to run the race that God wants you to run. Everyone say run the race. It takes endurance. If you've ever been a runner, if you've ever done track, if you've ever played a sport, it takes endurance. If you've ever gone to school and tried to get a degree, it takes endurance. Right, Zach? Sometimes you want to quit. Sometimes you wanted to quit. I remember those days. Anybody out there that you just go, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to take another math class. I don't want to do student teaching. But it does pay off. You have to run the race. And I want to encourage you today to run your race. Everyone say, run your race. Turn to your neighbor and say, run your race. You do your race, I do my race. Can I tell you that our races overlap one another, but what happens oftentimes is that we compare our race with someone else's race, and we stumble and we fall. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, there's a lot of onlookers, there's a lot of people running, there's a lot of people that have run. Let us throw off everything that hinders. The writer here doesn't come back and say the word comparison, but can I tell you that comparisons hinder. As you compare your life with someone else, as you measure your life against someone else, the metric is off. You're always going to be better than someone and always going to be worse than someone in certain areas. But can I tell you, when you compare yourself with Jesus, you're always in need. When you compare yourself with Jesus, it always brings a place of humility and submission and yieldedness. It goes on and says, let us run with perseverance. Let us run with endurance this race that's marked out for us. I already said don't compare with someone else, but can I tell you this? Don't be a victim of your own race. Don't compare your race with someone else, but don't be a victim of your own race. Don't go, oh, my race is just too heavy. My race. If, if they had to run my race, they couldn't endure either. Don't be a victim of your race. That's why it comes back and it says the very next verse, compare yourself with Jesus. Look to him to, to see what he has endured. Paul tells us how to run our race in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, do, do, do you not know in a race that all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. What are you trying to run for? Today, as you begin to look at your goal and your, where you're at in the race of life, 2021, regardless of what age you are, maybe some of you are graduating from high school, maybe some of you are going from eighth grade into high school, maybe some of you are going, getting from out of college and going into real life of real responsibilities. Maybe some of you are stuck in the middle of life. Maybe some of you are at the end of life. Can I ask you today, what is it that you are running towards? Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games is, does, this with strict, does so with strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we get it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, Paul says, I do not run like someone who's running aimlessly and without purpose. I'm not just getting up in the morning and going, okay, I'm just going to arrive wherever I arrive. No, he's got a purpose. He's trained. He's got a goal. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Paul comes back and he says, before you run, you have to train to run. And part of our lives, part of our enduring is training. Can I tell you that 2020 has been a year of training and character shaping. It's been revealing to the church of Jesus Christ. It's been revealing to the culture in America and all around the world. It's been something that we should be able to open our eyes and step back with spiritual eyes and see what has taken place in our lives. Have you become bitter or have you become better? Are you running with purpose? Have you trained to run? Are you preparing to win? Paul comes back and he says, don't just run aimlessly, prepare to win. Are you preparing to win? Are you just along for the journey that when it does finally end? No, can I tell you that endurance is a hope with a confident expectation that you're going to win and you're going to overcome and you're going to be better as a result. 
And then we have to run in obedience to our calling, run in obedience to our purpose. Number three, number three, number three, I know how to count. Endurance, number three, is required to receive the reward that God has promised you. This hope that produces endurance. You want to receive the promises of God? You want to receive the reward? Can I tell you today that all of us love awards? All of us love human accomplishments. Whether you're one that likes to check the box and have it done or you get recognized for something, maybe you don't like the recognition, but underneath you like the recognition. You like, this, you like the fact that someone acknowledges the fact that you have achieved. When we talk about this process of receiving the reward, there's a difference between finishing the race and winning and finishing the race and losing. All throughout Scripture, we see this thing called cause and effect. If you do, then this will happen. And if you do, then this will happen. Today, when we talk about this aspect of a reward, for you to receive the reward promised by Christ Jesus himself, it demands, it requires endurance. It's not giving up middle ground. We could sit here and we could dialogue the sovereignty of God. We could sit here and we could debate on who's going to heaven and who's not going to heaven and how unfair a deathbed conversion might be versus someone who served Christ all their life. Can I tell you today that that's when we get all in trouble because we're comparing our race with someone else. And we've got to come to this submission and yieldness to God to go, God, you're responsible for my reward. What is that to me? I'm going to follow you. Jesus, my eyes are on you and I'm running to receive my reward because my race is different than your race. There may be similarities, but I can tell you this. The reward that God has for me is not the reward God has for you and vice versa. It's a reward that's given to each of us individually on that day of judgment. And God's not gonna come and compare you with someone else on this planet He's going to compare you with his son and with his word. He's going to compare you with your level of obedience and your level of disobedience. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, you need to persevere so that when you have done, everyone say done. When you have done, everyone say done. Done is a past tense word. When you have accomplished, when you have finished the the will of God, then you will receive what he has promised. Can I tell you that you and I are on a journey? And yes, you may have reached some aspects on your journey that you've arrived and you've achieved the will of God for a moment in time. But no one in this room, no one on camera, at this moment has arrived at the end of enduring to receive and accomplish God's perfect will for their lives. Can I tell you, God's perfect will for your life is that you're in heaven with him. He's not willing that any should perish. It's not based upon our works. It's based upon his grace. But I can tell you this, that endurance is something that you choose to have or not to have. Endurance is needed to continue doing the will of God as long as we live here on earth. Matthew chapter 24 Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's preparing his disciples for this future events after his crucifixion. And he starts with verse three. He says, tell us, the disciples say this. They say, tell us, when will all of this happen? And what will the sign of the coming of the end of age be? Jesus answered them. And he said, watch out that no one deceives you. I wish I could scream it to the world today. Watch out so no one deceives you. Can I tell you that each of us in this room have been deceived. We've listened to the wrong voices. We've listened to the lies. Whether it been just this last year or our entire life, we've listened to these things about who we think we are. Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I'm the Messiah and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And you will see that, uh, but, but see to it that you're not alarmed. 
Such things must happen, but the end still is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Can anyone see the beginning of birth pains on our planet? Can you see that there is rumors of wars, that there are things, and Jesus is calling out his disciples saying, don't be deceived. Verse 9 says this, Then you'll be handed over and be persecuted and maybe even put to death. You'll be hated by all the nations because of me. And that time may, and at that time many will turn away from their faith and will betray and hate each other. Can I tell you of any time in our culture, a mass exodus from faith was the year of COVID. A mass exodus from their personal walk with God has been in the middle of COVID. The amount of people that are coming back to church and watching online is at 33% based upon what it was over a year ago. Does that alarm you? That should alarm you. It should alarm you for the body of Christ. It should alarm you for your brothers and sisters in Christ that somewhere they've been deceived. At that time, many will turn away. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. Can I tell you, when I read this passage of Scripture, when I read this week, I'm going, God, is my love cold? Has my heart become calloused? Church, today we need to be looking inward and we need to say, God, am I pleasing to you? Am I running the race to glorify you? And then Jesus comes with the clincher. He says, but those who stand firm to the end, those who endure to the end, will be saved. And I say to you today, stand firm. Everyone say, stand firm. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand firm. Hold on. Don't give up. Be like the pilot Dempsey that's hanging on to the ladder for dear life. Keep your faith. Persistent hope, even though it might feel hopeless. Can I tell you, we have someone who's filled with hope. Remember that you're not a failure until you give up. Remember that you're not a flop. Oh, my. Remember you're not a flop unless you let go. So don't quit. Never give up. Keep holding. Keep going. Hold on. Fight another day. Today I want to close with a passage of scripture in Romans chapter 12. Would you put that right? Romans chapter 12, my very last verse. Or 15, excuse me, I'm sorry. It's a prayer that I want you to see today. When I talk about Paul being a pusher of hope, a dealer of hope, he's coming and he realized that hope is so much more than just an emotion. He comes and he says, I pray that God, the source of hope, the fountain of hope, the one that all hope flows out of, that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely, not partially, fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with, with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. How many this morning would say that you need better contact with the source of hope? You need more hope in your life. This fountain You've had a little dose of it, but the fountain's not flowing in. It's getting a little bit dry. Can I tell you my prayer for you this week, my prayer for my own life this week, is God, I need to tap into the source of hope. Regardless of my emotion, regardless of my feelings, regardless of all those things, I need to come back and go, God, you're my source of hope. Today, are you running your race? Today, are you becoming the person that God's called you to be? Today, are you pursuing the reward that God has promised you? Yes, we run together. Yes, we encourage one another. But can I tell you, you're responsible for your race. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want to pray over you. God, today... I love this Bible prayer that Paul prays. If you're here today, would you just lift your hands as a sign going, God, I need more hope. 
God, I need more endurance. God, today I thank you that you are the source of all hope. That you are a fountain of hope that never runs dry. God, in a culture that's dry, in a culture that's hopeless, in a culture that can satisfy in certain areas, but God, it always brings disappointment. God, we turn to the one who never disappoints. And God, today I pray for a hope that produces endurance. God, I pray over every person in this room that you would give them an ability to persevere and endure like they never have before in their life. God, I don't know what it is that everyone's facing. I don't know every detail of people's lives online. But God, you do. Nothing that we are encountering is a surprise to you. And God, today, I hear your voice declaring, don't give up. Don't quit. Keep running. The reward is worth it. Keep going. Heaven's going to be all the gain to you. Don't stop. Don't look to the things of this world. Don't look to earthly things. Look unto me. God, today I pray for heavenly vision. God, would you open our eyes to see what it is that you have before us. Help us to see that how the world has clouded our perspective. God, that you would give us fresh perspective today. The source of all hope. The source of all hope. God, today we thank you for it. We thank you for it. Would you just lift your voice this morning and say, God, thank you for hope today. God, thank you for endurance. Thank you for the, the race that we get to run. Thank you for the privilege of enduring. God, you count us worthy to experience trials. And God, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.